0: So far in our message series on the life of Jacob, we just have pretty much discovered that Jacob has a messy life, just like his messy family. Can anybody relate to that? I mean, if we're just honest, right? And um, we also notice that Jacob tends to do things his own way, just like the people in his family. And Chris, last week, talked about the drama, the drama of his wives. Yes, I said wives, might I add sister wives, and then, of course, his uncle. Uh, man, this family, just—it just it just gets messier and messier. But I think we're going to start turning the corner as we begin to see Jacob really embrace uh, a new way of living. And so today we're going to talk about the breakup. Somebody say the breakup. So in this message, we're going to examine how Jacob breaks up with his uncle. And I think this is a representation of really Jacob breaking up with his past life and his past way of doing things. And so we're going to discover how a messy person like Jacob begins to make some moves in his life uh, to do things different and really take the reins of his life and begin to live a life that honors God. And I have a question for you today. Have you ever had to break up with somebody before? I mean, maybe remember back to that first crush you had. And, uh, you know, maybe they broke your heart, but you you like to believe that you broke up with them. But uh, it was tough. Have you ever had to break up with a significant other before? Maybe you had to break up with an employer or a job. Uh, that's, that's, sometimes that's actually pretty fun. Uh, sometimes it's not fun at all. Um, maybe you've had to break up with a family member or a friend. And sometimes it's these breakups in our life, uh, they, they are like markers in our life. And, and they shape who we are. And there are places that oftentimes we look back to and say, I never want to be there again. And here's what I know is that breakups are never fun, but how many of you know that at times breakups are necessary? I love what Henry Cloud, the author of Necessary Ending says. He says this, without the ability to end things, people stay stuck, never becoming who they're meant to be. And isn't that so sad when we get stuck in a life uh, in a place where we don't know how to get out and we never become who we're supposed to be. Maybe it's not only as an individual, but maybe as a career person, we never become who we're supposed to be. Uh, maybe it's in our calling. We just, we're resisting certain things about God and, and maybe parts of our life are great, but in our specific calling, we never become who we're supposed to be. And maybe it's a marriage and maybe, and I'm not even talking about a marriage breakup, but maybe you're just so stuck in your marriage and your marriage is not becoming what it's supposed to be. I'm reminded of a really funny story about an elderly husband and wife. They're sitting in their living room on their lazy boy chairs because, well, that's what people do when they enter their prime. See, one one day, instead of getting new couches, they get lazy boys. And uh, Jennifer is over there waving, saying, not me. The wife was reminiscing over their life and took her husband by the hand. and, And she said to her husband, after 50 years, I have found you tried and true. Well, he couldn't hear well because, well, he was aging. So he said, what? She said, after 50 years, I have found you tried and true. And he said, well, after 50 years, I'm tired of you, too. <laughs> well, this is kind of where Jacob find. I tapped into my, my uh, pastor, Mike Benson, right there. I actually messaged him this week. I said, this sounds like a story you would tell. And he goes, yeah, I've told it. I said, well, of course you have. Uh, but... <laughs> In Jacob's life, I think he finds himself at this stage tired of his uncle Laban. And as Krista said last week, Jacob has gotten Jacob one too many times, and and he was ready to move on. Uh, He was done being tricked. He was done done being lied to, and he had fulfilled his assignment with his uncle And it was time to break up with some things in his life because if he does not, he may end up stuck where he should not be. We're going to go to Genesis chapter 30 where this story takes place. And we're going to start reading at verse 25 and, and before we read the message, we're going to pray, but I just want to remind you and encourage you that God still speaks today. How many know what I'm talking about? And today, just put your heart in a posture that is saying, God's going to speak to me, something unique, something specific. And when we're reading a passage, if something sticks out to you, underline it, circle it, you know, make note of it in your notes. If, if something is said in the message, and it might not even be something that I'm saying, but God, whispers something to your heart. Write that down, because it's those moments that God is often trying to get our attention and wanting to speak to us. Let's pray. Father, we love you, and we thank you for who you are. God, make us aware today of what you want to speak to us As a corporate body, but also as individuals. God, we know that we need your heart transformation. God, we know that we need your Holy Spirit, God, to speak to us and to open us and help us to be attentive to what you have to say. We just ask Jesus that you would do your work in Jesus' awesome name. Somebody say a loud amen. Amen. Somebody say a a loud amen. There you go. I, I don't know who laughed out there, but that was a good one. That was a really good one. Here we go. Genesis chapter 30, starting at verse 25. Says this says, as soon as Rachel had born Joseph, Jacob said to Laban, send me away that I may go to my own home and country. Give me my wives. It's just so weird. I, babe, I'm never going to say that. Like, hey, <laughs> give me my wives. We're going to move on. Give me my wives and my children for whom I've served you that I may go, for you know the service that I've given you. But Laban said to him, if I have found favor in your sight, I have learned by divination that the Lord has blessed me because of you. Name your wages and I'll give it to you. Jacob said to him, you yourself know how I've served you and how your livestock has fared with me. For you had little before I came, and it has increased abundantly, and the Lord has blessed you wherever I have turned. But now, when shall I provide for my own household? Uncle Laban said, what shall I give you? Jacob said, you shall give me nothing if you will do this for me. I will again pasture your flocks and keep it here's what's happening in this story. Jacob's saying, hey, uncle, I've worked for you for 14 years and I've done a really good job. And I've done nothing though to provide for my own family. I've only bought your daughters from you. But if we're going to eventually go away one day and have our own family, I need to have something to start with. I need a flock of my own. So I'm not asking you to give anything to me for free, but I am asking that you would just let me work among your flock for a while to raise up a flock of my own and keep it. Well, let's notice some things together as we read through this passage in your notes. I notice this, that Jacob was committed. Isn't that kind of wild? Jacob the trickster is being has this look about his new life that he is now a changed man, a once impatient grabber, a guy who strived to take things to himself. He didn't know how to commit to anything. Yet we find him at this season of life where he's actually committed to 14 years of a process of working for his uncle. And now he's offering to work for a little more so that he can walk away with something of his own. That doesn't really sound like the Jacob we've been talking about over the last several weeks. And we've actually subtitled this message, A Life Transformed by Grace. And it looks like this is what is happening to the man Jacob. He is becoming a changed man at this new stage in his life. He's learning to be a man who's committed of his word, that his yes is his yes, and he's ready to move on from dysfunction. Anybody ever been there before? He's beginning to see, now that he's a changed man, what it's like to be a dysfunctional man. And he doesn't want to have anything to do with that, nor does he want to have anything to do with his dysfunctional uncle. And I can imagine the excitement that Jacob felt as he began to think about what life would be like out from under the thumb of his uncle. So this once dysfunctional man comes to his uncle and does a very adult thing. He asks for permission to leave, and he quits in person. Now, I know the old Jacob probably would have left without uh, quitting. He would not have turned in his two weeks notice. In fact, Jacob actually turns in a six-year notice because he works for his uncle for another six years. You know, I got to only imagine that Jacob has got to begin to be proud and grateful for the work that God is doing in his life. Because now Jacob can add something new to his resume, something that he's never been able to add before. And and that is the word faithful. He faithfully committed himself to 14 plus six years of working. Wow, what a change. Have you ever been in a place in your life before where, where you've never been able to do anything that was integrus? And suddenly, little change begins to happen, but I want you to know this, that, that when God begins to work in our life the same way that he does Jacob, there will be moments in your life where you're gonna be able to stand proud and say, wow, God, you did that in me. And at the same moment that you stand proud, you're gonna be able to say, "God, to God be the glory, and God, I thank you. What's the application here? In your notes, the application is this expect hard work. (laughs) Although Jacob was ready to move on, the hard work of his life was not over. He stayed for another six years and he continued to work hard. And how many know it probably was an awkward six years knowing that he was wanting to lead this family of dysfunction and begin to operate and do things different. How many know that sometimes dysfunctional people continue to pull you back into their dysfunction over and over and over? And I can only imagine that Jacob had to work really hard to stay out of the dysfunction. Here's what I know, is that when God calls you and invites you into a new place or a new season of life, it's gonna cost you hard work. And we should expect to work hard. See, every new season of life always requires hard work. And sometimes we think, especially if we've been working hard, that surely when God calls us to the next place, it's gonna be much easier, How many know that oftentimes when we read in scripture, as God calls us from place to place, although it's glory to glory because he's changing us and making us more like him, sometimes it's from one hard thing to another hard thing. And I don't know what your hard thing is that God may be inviting you to. Maybe it's hard work with your health. Maybe it's hard work with your diet or your finances. Maybe it's hard work in your career or your education or maybe hard work in a specific relationship. But I want you to know that if you wanna go from where you are to where you wanna be, it's gonna take a lot of hard work. And here's what I know that whenever God calls us, we need to be ready to roll up our sleeves like Jacob did and work hard. Proverbs fourteen twenty three says this, all hard work, brings a profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. See, if we wanna see change in our life, the Proverbs writer says it starts with hard work, that we won't profit anything in our life without hard work because sitting around and doing anything only leads to poverty and this is not just talking about finances but we're talking about emotional poverty, spiritual poverty, relational poverty, dissatisfaction in life with our job and and ourselves and our families and all of the things around us but the writer is saying that if we want to see positive things take place in our life, if we want to see God move, if we want to see profit in our life, we've got to be ready to work hard We all know the definition of the word insanity. It's simply this, doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. So there may be some people in the room that want to see things change in their life. And I want to challenge you today that maybe it's time for you to start doing things different and doing different things. Here's a question for us today. Is there something that we have been putting off because it's hard? Because sometimes that hard thing is the very thing that God is inviting us to. But there's a part of us that go, no, that must not be God because that's hard. God's calling me to something easier. He's calling me to something nicer. He's calling me to something that will be a little more fun. And, and, and perhaps God is saying, no, I'm calling you to this hard thing. Because it's in hard things that, that, I, that I do transformation. It's in hard things that we profit things in our life. And I really want to just challenge you for a moment to just maybe ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what is the hard thing that I've been putting off? And you probably don't have to sit too long and wonder. You probably know exactly what that one thing is. And I want to just encourage you to just write that at the bottom of your notes. Write that somewhere. Write it in your phone. Use code language, like if it's something that you don't want your neighbor to see, especially if it's like your kids or your wife or something like, I really need to start working on my marriage, your wife's like, huh? We're talking about the breakup today. Somebody say the breakup. breakup. Let's continue to read the story so we know that Jacob requests to leave with his family. And we gotta remember that his uncle, that he's saying, hey, uncle, we're leaving. We gotta remember this, that it's not just his uncle. It's also his father-in-law, because he married his cousins, which, you know, if you're a young person in the room, that's not okay anymore in this culture. Like, we don't do that. But so he's asking his uncle, hey, uncle, I want to take your daughter's and I wanna take all your grandkids, and I'm ready to leave, and I'm ready to go away. And his uncle actually appears to be charitable. And in fact, he says, Jacob, name your price. Whatever you want from me, I will give it to you. Let's continue in the story, verse 32. So here's what Jacob asks of his uncle, verse 32. He says, let me pass through all your flocks today, removing from it every speckled and spotted sheep and every black lamb. And the spotted and speckled among the goats, and they shall be my wages. Now, that was like a little bit of a tongue twister and just full transparency. I read that like a hundred times so that I didn't like mix up spotted and speckled and all these weird things. And you kind of have to wonder to yourself, Jacob, why are you so specific here? Well, Jacob answers. Jacob says in verse 33, I'm asking for all those things so that my honesty will answer for me later. When you come to look in my wages, uncle, everyone that is not speckled and spotted among the goats and black among the lambs, if found with me, shall be considered stolen. And Laban said this, good, let it be as you said, no problem, nephew, I would love to do that for you. Now, how many think Uncle Laban is going to keep his word? I mean, based off of his track record, I'm pretty sure we all know that he's not going to hold up to his word. Verse 35. But that day, Laban removed the male goats that were striped and spotted and all the female goats that were speckled and spotted and every one that had white on it and every lamb that was black and put them in the charge of his sons. And he set a distance of three days journey between himself and Jacob. And Jacob pastured the rest of Laban's flock. So all of the livestock that Jacob agreed to take, Laban jumps in and pulls them all out of the flock to hide them from Jacob, gives them with his sons so that his sons can take care of them. And then he and his sons all skedaddle off, skedaddle just continues to work over and over. They skedaddle off as a three day's journey so that when when, uh, when Jacob comes back to get around the flock and begin to do his process as he described, he can't find anything for himself. In your notes, here's what we notice. Jacob was cheated. He got Jacobed again. And Jacob had offered his uncle an honest work. He, he was as honest he knows, as he knows how to be to work for livestock so he could take some for himself and go raise a family. And his uncle strikes again. Even while he's doing his best to be honest and to be committed, he's still stabbed in the back. Yeah. Have you heard the old quote, fool me once, shame on you? Fool me twice, shame on me. Fool me three times, shame on the both of us. Well, Jacob had already been cheated twice and he wasn't about to let it happen again. Notice what Jacob does in dealing with the known deceiver. Jacob sets some clear expectations for his uncle because he's trying to ensure that he's not taken advantage again. And so he sets some terms of agreement with his uncle so that he could say, uncle, we agree to this here's what I did. And eventually he's going to be able to say, here's what you did, uncle. And so he prepares this agreement so that he could be honest in all of his hard work. Well, we know that didn't work out very well for him, but what's the application for you and I in your notes? Here's the application. It's this expect to set expectations. We've got to expect to set expectations in our life. Why? Because some people, somebody say some people, not all. Some people will try to take advantage of your hard work, your skills, your giftings, all for their own gain. His uncle knew that his increase and the blessing of his flock increasing was all due to Jacob, not himself. And so he's trying to steal some for his own And because of this, we need to be wise as individuals and pay attention to people who want to steal from us, steal our dignity, steal our self-worth, steal our integrity, steal our money in some cases. We're just going to stay away from that one for today. Jesus tells us in Matthew 10 and 16, look, I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves, so be shrewd as snakes and harmless as, do- as doves. See, if, if we keep getting bamboozled over and over again, it's time for us to wake up and take responsibility like Jacob did and take the reins of our life and be as shrewd or as smart as a snake, you notice that they don't make a lot of noise. They're not a lot of drama, but they just decide in their heart what they're gonna do, and they know it. They know when to strike at the right right time. They know when to leave at the right time. They know when to get out of the drama at the right time. They know how to stay away from the dysfunction at the right time, and notice it. Scripture says, in fact, don't strike, but be as harmless as a dove. Don't be vengeful, Jesus says, because God says vengeance is mine. God says, that's my job. That's, That's what I'm going to do to take vengeance on somebody. But your job is to be shrewd and your job is to be harmless. Let me help you out with setting some clear expectations. By the way, if you have ever taken Discipleship Track 401, Emotionally Healthy Relationships, this should be familiar to you. If not, I encourage you to take the session next time we offer it. Here's, here's, here we go. Expectations are only valid when all three of these requirements are met, okay? All three have to be met in order for these to be a valid expectation. Number one, they're conscious and communicated. They can't be just an expectation that you have in your mind that you don't share. They have to be an expectation that you have in your mind and you share it. So you've got to ask yourself, am I aware of all the expectations I have? And do I communicate them when I have them? For example, you might expect your spouse to answer text messages within two to five minutes of texting them throughout their day. You may have not communicated that, and it may frustrate you every time they don't respond back to you, but they don't know about your expectation. So you have to communicate to the expectation. You might expect them to help you clean up the dishes after dinner, and maybe they don't, but have you communicated your expectation? And see, here's the reality. Nobody lives in your mind. Yeah. They don't live in your mind, so you have to verbalize. We learn this, and we, in fact, we actually teach kids this when they're really young. I remember when, when Ellie was a little girl. Uh, Ellie would want different things, and she would point, and uh, she was really chill, and, and she didn't like to speak up for herself, and she'd open the refrigerator and point, and And we knew what she wanted. We could tell her broken language as she was learning how to speak. We knew what milk was or what cheese was. And she would ask for it and point. And we would tell Ellie, Ellie, use your words. Speak up for yourself. Tell us what you want. And we've got to continue those basic one-on-one communication skills as we grow up and become adults. We have to tell people what we want. But just because it's conscious and communicated still does not mean it's a valid expectation. So we've got to do the next thing. we got to make sure it's a realistic expectation. We've got to make sure that there's evidence that this person is capable of doing what I expect. That's a big one for some people. Some of us, honestly, we expect things out of people that they may physically be unable to do, they may emotionally be unable to do. And we're expecting them to give you something that they're unable to give. For example, for Jacob to expect Uncle Laban to not cheat him anymore. Uncle Laban, I'm going to take these these striped, and, or everything that's not striped and not spotted, and, and you keep the rest. And Uncle Laban, I, I expect you to agree with me, like... He knows his uncle is going to cheat him. And we're going to notice in a a few moments that he kind of has a little plan of his own. But expectations are only valid when they're conscious, when they're communicated, when they're realistic, but they're still not valid. You still can't say, but I have an expectation. Well, your expectation doesn't matter until we do number four, and that's agreed upon. The expectation must also be agreed upon by the other individual. See, just because we have an expectation does not mean people need to agree with our expectation. And that's hard. How many of you know that's hard? That's hard. I, I want you to do this, husband or wife, and they don't want to do it for you. I want you to do this, boyfriend or girlfriend, they don't want to do it for you. I want you to do this, BFF, but no, they're not willing to do that for you. I want you to do this, son or daughter, or mom or dad. Mm, not willing to do it. I want you to do this for me, pastor. Sorry, I can't give that to you. We've gotta be able to negotiate agreements and set clear expectations. Listen, if, if we want people to have clear expectations with ourselves, we gotta make sure that they're conscious, they're communicated, they're realistic, and they are agreed upon my wife has learned, as, as I have been using a lot of this emotionally uh, healthy spirituality and relationship stuff, my wife has learned to say, I didn't agree to that. <laughs> or if I try to clarify an expectation, I'm not going to agree to that. Uh, she's gotten really smart. So I'm like, okay, well, let's negotiate then. You can't do that. What can you do? And, and honestly, that's one of the most healthy things you can do because sometimes you're asking people for things they can't give you. So we've got to be able to let go of our little thing and the, the way that we think we sh- that it should go, and we, we could change our language and say, well, what can you give? Because sometimes when we give someone an expectation, that's a strong word. So how many know the word expectation sounds a lot like control? Yeah. I want to control you. How many of you want to be controlled? Nah, not me. Nobody wants to be controlled. So we could say, what can you give me? Here's the question I have for you today. Is there someone you need to set or clarify expectations with? It could be individual people in your life. It could be certain personalities that you continue to bump heads with. And and if you're unsure, if you need to clarify expectations, if there is something that you continue to get frustrated with over and over and over, or there's a, a personality or certain types of situations that you continue to get frustrated with over and over and over, you probably need to clarify some expectations. Who has disappointed you lately? What has disappointed you lately? And two, with that, ask the Holy Spirit and maybe write it down, write code name, just scribble really bad so no one can read your handwriting. Like write it down, like who do I need to set some expectations with? Yeah. Expectations are healthy things for people to have. You should have a lot of them. There's just, it's just how we, how we do relationship together. We're talking about the breakup. Somebody say the breakup. The breakup. We're learning that if we want to take the reins of our life, we've got to expect hard work. We've got to expect to set expectations. Let's go back to our story in Genesis 30 and verse 27. So Uncle Laban says, yes, nephew, whatever you want but he goes behind his back and runs off with the flock. So what does Jacob do? Verse 37. Here's what Jacob does. So he goes amongst his uncle's flock and he cannot find anything for himself. So Jacob took fresh sticks of poplar and almond and plain trees and peeled white streaks in them, exposing the white of the sticks. He set the sticks that he had peeled off in front of the flocks in the troughs, that is the watering places where the flocks would come to drink. And since they... Bread. When they came to drink, the flocks bred in front of the six so that the flocks brought forth striped, speckled, and spotted livestock. Scripture goes on to describe that Jacob made sure to breed only the strong of the flock that was raising up and that he would leave all of the weaker flock for his uncle. And if we skip down to verse 33, here's what it says about Jacob. Thus the man Jacob increased greatly and had a large flock. Large, uh, large female servants. That's, that's not what the Bible says. <laughs> he had large flocks and female servants and male servants and camels and donkeys. We know that this only took him six years to gain this kind of wealth. He became one of the wealthiest men in the area. Jacob is beginning to increase just like God promised. How many know that God is a person of his word? In your notes, here's what we notice. We notice this that Jacob was clever. Man, now listen, I'm not sure. In fact, commentators say that it's never been validated that you can force color upon livestock by breeding them in this particular way. But here's what we do know about Jacob Jacob is on a whole nother level with this one. He's not going to get duped again. And he's obviously really clever when it comes to breeding, and he outsmarts his uncle. What do we know about Jacob? Well, here's what we know is don't play a player because you're going to get played. Uncle Laban, don't play with Jacob. Don't you remember, Uncle Laban? Jacob was cunning. He was conniving. And Jacob will cut your throat when you mess with him. And how many know that it's, it's true that Jacob was pretty street smart? I mean, he was like a livestock smart. He was desert smart. Like this dude grew up on the streets and, Jay, and his uncle did not. The old adage goes that you could take the man out of the hood, but you can't take the hood out of the man. And this was Jacob, like, you know, I can only imagine Jacob thinking to himself, uncle, if you mess with me, I will cut you. And that's exactly what Jacob did. Jacob cut off all of the strong uh, animals in the flock and left his uncle with all of the weak ones. And here's a, a bit of a serious note about Jacob. Jacob. Is that Jacob slipped back into his old ways of being a trickster. There would have been nothing wrong with him using his methods to bring new livestock about, but to keep all the strong ones and leave his uncle with all the weak ones. That was kind of a shyster. That was trickster Jacob back at work. So some of his old habits started creeping back up in his life. He could have been fair, one strong one, one weak one for me, one strong one, and one weak one for uncle. But that's not how it worked. What's the application here in your notes? The application is this. We should always expect to be tested. Look, there's always going to be things in our life that are going to test us, things that are going to draw us back into our old selves. And, and Jacob is finding this to be very true in his life there's going to be things that trigger the old you. You know, I can remember early on in our marriage, I would go back home and to California for the holidays or, or maybe the, the summer and I'd be hanging out with my family. And, and how many you know, sometimes you get around your family and you start acting like your old self. You start, you like fit right back in into the youngest son and you start playing all those strange family roles and you start acting like you used to act when you were a kid. And my wife would like look at me after those trips and be like, who are you? Like, you're not acting like yourself. We've got to expect to be tested. And there will be situations that will test you. And what are some signs that we're being tested? Well, one of the signs is this, that we're easily triggered or we're reactionary. That's a sign that we're being tested. God is is testing us. Life circumstances are testing us. Every test is not always God. Sometimes God does put us through big tests, but here's what a test is for. It's to reveal where we're at. Where are you at? A, B, C, or D. Where are you at? How, how good are you doing in this space of your life? Are you acting out of character? That's another sign that you're being tested. Are you slipping back into your old ways? Proverbs 22 and 3 says this. It says a prudent person foresees danger and takes precaution, but the simpleton goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. Wow. Do you see that? An emotionally healthy person foresees danger. They look for things that are gonna trigger them. They look for situations that are dangerous. They look for things that are gonna pull them back into their old dysfunction. But it says that when we don't do that, we're like the simpleton. And some scriptures might call that person the fool who blindly goes on and suffers the consequences. See, at some point in our life, The consequences that we're suffering are our very own fault because we're not applying wisdom to our life. We are not foreseeing the danger in our life. So here's the question for you and I. What triggers you? What triggers you? Who triggers you? What situations trigger you? What moments trigger you? See, we should always plan to approach these moments with readiness every time. When we pray in the morning, when we look over our week, we look over our month, we should be asking, Holy Spirit, what should I be aware of today? Help me to foresee some of the challenging situations that are gonna come my way. Help me to foresee some of the things that are gonna test me today. They're gonna test my character. They're gonna test my resolve. Help me to foresee those things. And Holy Spirit, help me to Because see, some of those things you're going to be able to foresee, and you know how to fortify yourself, and you know how to prepare to appropriately respond. But there's going to be some situations that God's going to show you, and he's going to say, I want you to avoid that one. Don't even walk into that situation. So there's going to be some situations that you need to approach right, and some situations that you're going to just need to outright avoid. See, Jacob had slipped in to behaving the old ways that he had behaved. But it's also interesting to know that although he's yet not perfect, how many know that none of us are perfect? Scripture says that he becomes one of the wealthiest mans in the area. Now, many would look back at Jacob's life, and Jacob might look at this moment in his life, and he might see all of these blessings as God's approval for his behavior. And here's the caution for Jacob and the caution for us: Don't misinterpret God's blessings for God's approval. Because there's going to be times where God's going to bless you despite you. There's going to be times where you're going to see God's favor rest upon your life because in His sovereignty He has some things that He wants to accomplish and He's chosen you. And sometimes we misinterpret all of the blessings of God around our life as if he's approving all of our behavior. (laughs) And we've got to realize that we serve an amazing God and he's merciful and he's gracious. And just because we experience his mercy in our life, just because we experience his grace in our life does not mean that he is not still pruning things out of our life.